Our teaching series, our teaching series of, of late is called On-Ramps, On-Ramps to the Freeway of God's Grace. Grace is undeserved favor. If you're trying to get God's favor because of something you do, then you're not getting that favor from grace. Grace is undeserved favor. I like what D.L. Moody said, I've quoted many times, the only thing we contribute to our salvation is the sins from which we are saved. <sighs> what a gift. I like uh, Max Lucado once said, I am bad, but I am forgiven. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Praise God. It's great to be a saint, isn't it? It's great to be righteousified by Jesus. It's great to have all of our sins, past, present, and future, to be entirely forgiven. This is grace. There are some things we can do to activate grace, things we can do to, uh, that are means of accessing God's grace, and we're talking about those in this series, and we're focusing particularly in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. I don't know how long we're going to be there, but we're going to be there for a while. I keep finding good stuff there, so we're going to talk about activating uh, the message of the cross. The message of the cross, the content of the message of Jesus' cross his resurrection and his resurrection, uh, activate, to activate that message in our lives is an enormous catapult into an incredible experience of God's undeserved favor that is not only theological in our personal ownership, our personal belief system, but it rocks us experientially in the Holy Spirit and in our relationship with Jesus. Because when we're talking about the message of the cross, we're not talking about a religious belief. As someone that looks on us from the outside might say, well, they are religious, or they are too religious, as if it's just about our belief system. You see, our, our uh, confidence in the message of the cross and owning it personally, we embrace what John Wesley embraced when he heard the message and it and he said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. And I knew that Jesus Christ had died for my sins, even mine. And bam, he got thrust into the presence of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in a way that informed his ministry for the next 60-some years. Thousands and thousands came to Christ and he experienced this incredible, supernatural peace and joy every day of the journey of his life. This is, uh, this is uh, not unusual. This is normative for someone who experiences the message of the cross. So, we're going to start by reading the, what happened in Corinth. When the Apostle Paul went there on a second missionary journey, and then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and it'll be on the screen, but you can look it up if you want. So, first talking point, we activate the message of the cross through water baptism. We talked about that last time from 1 Corinthians 1, but we're going to see that in what happened just four years before. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. On his second missionary journey, he comes south from Athens 
to Corinth, population about 700,000 people, metropolitan area, commerce. In fact, still today in the, in the, uh, in the southern part of Greece, you can see the, the four-mile isthmus where instead of the, the boats going all the way, trying to navigate 200 miles around southern Greece with all the rocks and all the places where people are shipwrecked, at Corinth, they stopped and they dragged their ships across four miles using slaves and then put them back in the water on the other side. You can still see the ruts today, I'm told. Corinth is a real place filled with sin, filled with amazing diversity ethnically and uh, culturally, kind of the New York or London of that day in Greece. Well, anyway, after, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, the emperor, had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And scholars think that's because a lot of the Jews were becoming Christians in Rome, and he kicked them out. Kicked them all out. And Paul came to them. So, because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For by occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. And then when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garment and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles." And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all of his household, switched churches, <laughs> went next door. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, hearing about their synagogue ruler, <laughs> hearing about what Paul was preaching and people worshiping, believed and were what? Were baptized. So you see, one of, we talked about this last time that baptism is, is one of the key components for being an on-ramp to God's undeserved favor in our lives. And I think all I want to really say about baptism is that because we're baptized into Jesus' death and in the, into his resurrection... We can anticipate happening at our baptism what happened to Jesus' baptism when Jesus himself was baptized. The Holy Spirit came down on him like a dove, just quietly, peacefully filled him with the Holy Spirit. And he started hearing, he heard the voice of God, this is my beloved son, and you will hear in a fresh way, I, you are uh, my beloved daughter, my beloved son, and you will experience the Holy Spirit. And sometimes people say, well, I'm praying about being baptized. Well, you know what? You don't need to pray anymore about being baptized. God's already told you to get baptized. <laughs> and he, doesn't have to, he shouldn't have to repeat himself. So if you haven't been baptized, if you maybe were uh, dedicated as a baby, and uh, the Bible has, uh, talks about believers being baptized, babies were dedicated. So what happened as a baby, you were dedicated but you don't have to do anything else except uh, come talk to me or call me up or email me or send me a letter or uh, telegram, whatever you want to do. <laughs> hey, I'm, 
I'm going to obey God and get baptized. I'm ready to have that experience. Amen. Don't worry. No, we haven't lost anybody yet in the baptismal tank. So, so get baptized. And you know what? If you, if you haven't come to Christ yet, in order to get baptized, the first thing you want to do is call on Jesus to be saved. And we're going to give you a chance at the end of this talk to experience that too. So get ready for that. Second talking point of three about, the, um, about accessing the cross. Just to, just to say about water baptism, one more thing. A reminder that we see people confess Christ and are dunked. And the symbol of someone else baptizing you, you don't baptize yourself, is a symbol of God saving you fully. You don't save yourself. And we are baptized, according to Romans 6. God chooses to see us being immersed into the death of Christ in history. He transcends time, so he can do that kind of thing. And God, because he can transcend time, he can do this whatever he wants. Time is a created, created entity with God. He can say, when you come out of the water, I see you coming out, on the, out, of, out of the tomb, which is an immediate present to me. God who tra- tra- transcends time sees it as an, as, as an eternal present. And that's why he's always, always so excited about the death and resurrection of Christ that he chooses to see you coming out of the tomb with Jesus on the first Easter Sunday morning. Hallelujah. So baptism accesses the experience of the cross and the grace of the cross. Second talking point. We activate the message of the cross. Do you all hear me okay? Yeah. All good? We activate the message of the cross through gossiping and social networking about it. <laughs> What's gossip? Gossip is just saying whatever comes to your heart out of the abundance of the mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And God asks us through the power of the Holy Spirit to, to, to um, not gossip negatively. The Holy Spirit enables us to not gossip neg- negatively, but we can gossip about positive things that's in our heart. And, uh, and the whole point is, whatever revelation of the cross of Christ you have for yourself, um, go ahead and, and talk about it. Paul does. He says in uh, 1 Corinthians that I, later on he says, I didn't know anything among you when I was there for that year and a half. Except one theme, Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, my friends, it has a domino effect. When, you, when we clearly embrace and delight in the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ on his cross for us, it morphs into a domino effect of the death of Christ for us. Hallelujah. Paul says he, he loved me and died for me. He suffered for me, gave himself for me. There's a me factor there. Then, the, then that kicks into a delight in the resurrection of Christ. And in the resurrection of Christ, we live in resurrection power. And then that morphs into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Death of Christ, resurrection of Christ, baptized by the Holy, in the Holy Spirit by the risen Christ. Not just a one-time shot, but a continual river flowing to us in his, out of his love. And then that triggers supernatural resurrection Jesus life ministry that is unique to your personality. One of the things that I've, I've noticed that there's different like ladies in our church that have an anointing 
for, um, for working with babies. I know, I know there's a couple uh, ladies in our church, young ladies in our church that, that have an amazing ministry of working as foster parents. And that is Jesus through them because Jesus held babies and blessed them. And when we see moms doing a great job and loving being moms, that is just as much Jesus' ministry as what Miguel does, healing the sick and being an apostle all over the place, you know? Or what I do with evangelism or, or, or with teaching or, or whatever. That's what the invitation is that we re- realize. Death of Christ, resurrection of Christ, and, and the immediacy of the risen Christ who loves us. Jesus is alive and he loves me is our constant declaration. And out of that, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the saturation, the soaking, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And out of that, the, not just the experience of Jesus, but the expression of Jesus through our own gifted areas of, of ministry and delight in God. I was with uh, Pastor Steve Philo of, who preached here a few weeks back on repentance so well. And uh, yesterday on his birthday, he wanted to go soul winning on his birthday. So he and I went soul winning on his birthday. And, and he told me, I have this, uh, I had this word from God in prayer this morning. And I felt like we we're supposed to minister to someone named Mike. I said, okay, that sounds good. We'll watch out for that. And so we were doing home-to-home ministry. And uh, I only asked one guy this, one person this. But this young guy comes to the door after, after several uh, encounters with different people, and ministry to different people, sharing the gospel. This young guy comes to the door, and I said, is your name Mike? And he said, yeah. <laughs> How'd you know? And I said, Steve, tell him your story. And the guy wasn't. He, he was saved already, but you, I, just, I just stood back and watched the pastoral anointing of Pastor Steve Philo, not only a great teacher, but a great pastor. I stood back and watched Jesus. It was a window into the personality of Jesus. There was an anointing there. It was care. It was love. It was laughing back and forth. Man, it gives me shivers, and it's not their conditioning, just even right now to think about um, to think about that that is Jesus through Pastor Steve filled with the Holy Spirit on his birthday. What a great day that was! So. Have we read in 1 Corinthians yet? Let's read that then. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 to 21. We're talking about the Apostle Paul saying, I didn't know anything among you. I had one message, and that was for a year and a half, the cross of Christ, but then there was this domino effect. Everything else hinges on that. When you lose the message of the substitutionary atonement of Christ, we'll read this in a second. You also lose resurrection of Jesus, revelation. And you, they, they lost it. 
You read later on, they lost the, the joy of the resurrection. You also lose, when you lose the cross, you also lose proper experience of the baptism of the Spirit. They be, fell behind into no gifts, but they did them all selfishly. And they, they backslid into all kinds of unholiness factors. When you experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are shook up into holiness. He's the Holy Spirit. And the Corinthians, because they lost the message of the cross, they also lost not just the resurrection revelation, but they lost, they, they started suing each other. They, they started, some people were getting drunk at the communion potluck. And others weren't even getting any bread and, and, and wine at the communion event. They, they, uh, there was sexual immorality going on, and the leaders were tolerating that in the church. And there, were, uh, there was divisions. I'm a Paul, I'm a Paulus. You know, different division factors going on. And they also... Uh, by the way, they said, you know what? We're not even sure the Apostle Paul is even an apostle. And that's one of the things that happens when you lose the message of the cross in your own life. You start doubting the word of God. You start doubting it. So this is why the Apostle Paul said, I didn't know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And because they tripped out and they left the message of the cross, they lost all these other experiences in God. And so that's why Paul is wanting to hit it again with them about the primacy of the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ on his cross, which starts all these other things going as well. Interesting to note that 60 years later, there was a guy named Clement that wrote to the same church, but to a couple generations later, and he says the same thing. Because that generation had backslid on the message of the cross. And this apostolic father writes to them and, and says, hey, you guys need to hear what your grandparents heard from Paul. It's kind of fascinating to me to read that. So anyway, here's the passage. Verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in, wisdom, in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. And save means not just eternally, to get to heaven, but wholeness, deliverance, abundant life, supernatural joy, peace, and love continually rocking your personal journey with Jesus. They needed to be stirred up. I think that's clear. They had backslid into trying to make Christianity, the Christian message, more similar to the conventional wisdom of their day. And my friends, I want you to know something. Just as the Corinthian church backslid into embracing a form of Christianity that abandoned the cross of Christ 
everything else got distorted, and backsliding into Greek philosophy that was prevalent throughout Greece in that day, the conventional thing to be cool was all this Greek philosophy, quote-unquote wisdom. The same temptation is for us. I see it over and over again where you, where you see Christians that should know better identifying with values that are totally worldly and not in the Bible. So the invitation is to watch out for these kinds of things and stay true to the gospel and true to the Bible. Okay? The church at Corinth needed to be stirred up. And the message, gossiping and social media, uh, social mediating, <laughs> whatever word I'm looking for there, it tends to do that. I think of Noel Shaw. Uh, David Grant shared this with me a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. He was an evangelist. Noel Shaw was in the 1800s. He wrote the hymn, the gospel song, Bringing in the Sheaves, he baptized over 11,000 people. You think he enjoyed doing that? It was powerful anointing on him. He said, it is a grand thing to rally people to the cross of Christ. Well, I'll say. I, I love our evangelists, and one of our evangelists, Andrew Gifford, shared with me the other day, he's got this, he has this creative idea about sharing, um, sharing uh, videos of people coming to Christ. And he said, I even want to show videos, uh, YouTube videos of people rejecting because there's just as much supernatural joy that hits us when people reject as when they come to Christ. <laughs> I mean, we're sorry that they don't come to Christ, but you can walk away with a smile on your face even when someone cusses at you because of God hitting you with the Spirit yet again. John Wesley, I've shared this quote before, um, but, I've, but it's, it's meaningful to me for obvious reasons, as I am um, not an old man, but uh, it's closer than it was uh, last year. <laughs> anyway, this was said of John Wesley who, in the First Great Awakening, a uh, great gospel preacher. Because he preached the gospel, there was a continual revelation of joy into him. Because the cross and gossiping the, the cross is a, is a portal for supernatural favor and experience of Jesus that hits you whenever you share it, however you share it. So this is what was said of John Wesley. So fine an old man I never saw. The happiness of his mind beamed through his countenance. Every look showed him Fully happy. Don't you want to be that kind of person later on, years from now, when you start to get a little old? Long time from now. <laughs> Lastly, we activate the message of the cross by glorying in it. And glorying in it basically means, you know, we all glory in stuff. I'm tempted to glory in my new-to-me 2015 Yamaha SR400. It's real. I'm really tempted to make it an idol. I'm this close. 
not going to do it, but I'm staying way clear. But the Bible, God says, I give you all things to richly enjoy. I told Brenda yesterday, Brenda, this is almost an idol. I love it so much, enjoy it so much. But we, we can glory in different things. We're designed to glory in stuff. We're designed to glory in God. And not, he gives us all things to richly enjoy, but he doesn't want anything to ever replace him. He never wants us to turn to anything for comfort, for comfort of soul, but him, supremely him. Now, I like chocolate as much as anybody. 14 out of every 10 people love chocolate. <laughs> but, my, but, my, but my comfort comes from the comforter. comforter. Supernatural comfort. So we enjoy, but we don't, we don't replace. The Corinthians replaced with philosophy. Just the... And... I think that there's three areas we have to especially watch out for that we can tend to turn to. The Puritan writer Richard Baxter puts the three things this way. I think he's right. Pleasure, profit, and honor. Pleasures of this world to move beyond gift to enjoy to I live for that. Could even be video games. Pleasures, profit, just, just the intoxication of, of being successful as a business person and just doing better and better. Maybe you're good in the stock market. Better. It just it sort of intoxicatingly um, can become something like that you're good at for in- increase, perhaps on your job or your business increase. That can become something that possesses you in a way that replaces Jesus. And honor. Or control over other people. These are the things. He, uh, Richard Baxter says, Pleasure, profit, and honor are the natural man's trinity. We are naturally our own idols. I don't know why this came to me, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to risk it. I know it's kind of silly. But remember that childhood poem, Sing a Song of si- Sixpence? Pocket full of rye, four and twenty blackbirds baked in a pie. When the pie was opened, the birds began to sing. Isn't that a dainty dish to set before the king? The king was in his counting house, counting out his money. The queen was in the parlor, eating bread and honey. What are those? First of all, power, royalty, exalting that. Counting money. Increase financially, bread and honey symbolized the pleasures. I don't know if the writer to that, the writer of a lot of those, I don't know what was wrong with those people. <laughs> but the poor maid gets her nose. The maid was in the garden hanging out the clothes. Along came a blackbird and snatched off her nose. What kind of a childhood poem is that? It gets worse. Rockabye baby in the treetop. 
when the wind blows, the cradle, when the bow breaks, the cradle will fall? What kind of mom is that level of cynicism? <laughs> Down will come baby, cradle and all, crashing from the top of the trees. I love you, honey. Let me sing you a, let me sing you a lullaby song. A certain level of cynicism there. I don't know if the writer meant that, but I think that that, that uh, I had to say that poem to you because it, it fits. We tend to go after increase of money. We tend to go after increase of pleasure. We tend to go after, after increase of, of uh, power and, and control. And I'm just going to skip and just finish by reading 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30 to 31. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom. Jesus not only gives us wisdom, Jesus in his living deity, loving personality, he is wisdom. He himself is wisdom. And he is righteousness. And he's our sanctification. And he's our redemption. We're true Jesus freaks. We are propelled into an, a Jesus obsession. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. We're the ones that glory in the Lord. We glory in his, not in religion, but in a person. Let's stand up. If you have uh, called on Jesus to save you, this is your day. We're going to say it all together here. Say it with us, this simple prayer, and your spirit will be born from above. Say it with me, friends. Dear Lord Jesus, I call upon you to save me right now. Forgive all my sins. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven. Because I have Jesus Christ in my heart. If you prayed that prayer, your next obligation, you've accessed grace. Uh, contact a, a friend you respect, Christian friend you respect. They will disciple you into ever-increasing dimensions of supernatural joy and peace and love. Just being discipled to Jesus. My friends, we love you. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Good things ahead for you. Thanks for being with us today.